Alright, alright, okay, okay. What is up, everybody? buddies? All day talks facts, very expensive facts, like always, of course. The first episode in a while, right here. The last episode I did was my thoughts on the WWE releases. Uh, that was about last week. I know I haven't done an episode since then. You know, it's really been nothing to talk about, but there is one thing to talk about right now, and that is AEW Dynamite. So I just got finished watching AEW Dynamite. I thought it was a good show. Thought it was good. They hit a million again, which is always good, right there. They hit 1.1 million. Viewership did go down a little bit. It was 1.104. So it went down a little bit, but still, hey, you know what? It's good that AEW's hitting a million. You know, because a lot of people, a lot of people were saying, oh, they won't hit a million once they're alone on Wednesday nights. They'll probably hit like 700, like 700,000 in that range. Well, no. Just no. It's not going to happen. Especially when Blood and Guts comes around on May 5th. They might hit two million if they're lucky. Hopefully they do. They might. They just might. You know, everybody's everybody's been downing AEW since the start. It is what it is, though. That's why I love this company. Overcoming a lot of adversity. Just gotta keep it going, keep it rolling. But enough of me being a mark for a little bit. Let's get to the first match of the night. So the number one ranked contender. Hangman Adam Page versus Absolute Ricky Starks. And AEW, like I said, every time they've done an opener, openers have always delivered. This match was definitely a banger. Could have went on a little bit longer, in my opinion. I think if they were on pay-per-view, they would have went a little bit longer or if it was like the main event. But these two put on a really good match. Like Ricky Starks is very talented. He was on a 10-match winning streak. He's 10-1 here in 2021. You know, Hangman and Page is number one is the number one ranked contender. You know, everybody thinks he's gonna challenge Kenny, but you never know. They could throw a curveball at us. He could challenge Darby Allen for the TNT title. That could happen too. But I thought this match was good. We already know the match is gonna be Hangman versus Kenny. We just don't know when. Will it be a double or nothing? Will it be at all out in September? We just don't know. September or August, whenever they're going to do that. We know Double or Nothing is next month. You know, does it feel like it's too early? Well, this has been building up a long time between Hangman and Kenny. You know, ever since they were in a tag team. You know, Hangman really didn't have any interest in teaming up with Kenny. It seemed like he went, when they were tag team champions, they never seemed like they got on the same page. And then, you know, when they broke up, it's kind of like, you know, Kenny left them. And then Hangman was, like, left in the dark, basically. Like, oh, wow, Kenny actually doesn't want to team up with me. Well, you didn't want to team up with him for so many months. Now you kind of know how it feels. But it is what it is. But these two put on a good match. You know, Taz is on commentary. We saw Hook at ringside. I think we're going to see his in-ring debut pretty soon. I'd say maybe like a couple more months. Maybe like a month or two we'll see him in the ring. You know, and Hangman just puts on great matches every time. Just does. You know, Hangman is one of the best workers not only in AEW, but in the wrestling business, you know, he's you know he's been really good. He has been really good. He hasn't really talked as much recently. He's kind of been on the quiet side. You know, I want to hear some promos from him, you know, and get pretty hyped up, you know, for him and Kenny whenever that does happen. But him and Starks, good match. You know, Taz was great on commentary like always, you know. We did see Ricky get hurt. It looked like he hurt his Achilles during the match, and he was selling it pretty good, but he actually legit got hurt. But they, they did make an update today, and they said Ricky's fine, so thank God for that because, you know, I thought maybe he blew out his Achilles or something. Well, he wouldn't have been able to continue. 
But you know wrestlers, you know, they're going to continue no matter what. They don't care. That's what you got to love about wrestlers right there. They don't care. They'll continue. They will continue. They don't care how bad the injury is. They will continue. But Starks continued the match. He continued, you know, and Hangman did something pretty creative. He did try to go for the buckshot lariat early on in the match. Didn't work. He put Ricky Starks in a submission hold with the bad ankle and made him tap out just like that. So Hangman and Page got creative and he got the W. So he's still the number one ranked contender in AEW. And after the match, you know, Taz grabbed the microphone and said Hangman needs to really watch his back. And then Hook attacked him from behind. Ricky Starks was, you know, chipping in. And then here came the FTW World Champion Brian Cage. We didn't see Powerhouse Hobbs. We know that he was getting ready face Christian Cage later on the night, but it was kind of weird that he didn't help out at all. They didn't mention it at all, but I'm sure a lot of people like myself, you know, probably realize like, hmm, like how come Powerhouse House wasn't out there helping? Because their whole Dark Order came out to go after Team Taz, and they ran off. So we know that Hangman is still aligned with the Dark Order, which is great. And that's that's all, folks, right there with Hangman and Ricky Starks. It's a big win. We saw Cage and Page, you know. Staring each other down. We'll get to that in a little while, but that was good. It was a good opener. Like always, AEW delivers great openers. You know, like last week with the Young Bucks versus, uh, I'd say Seidel. That's next week. Oh, my God. We're not even there yet. Versus Ray Phoenix and Pac. You know, that was an amazing match right there. But Hangman and Starks, good match. Good match to start. But now we jump right into the next match right here. We come back from commercial. We get right into the next match between Trent, question mark. You know, I love how Justin Roberts did that on commentary. Not commentary, from the ring announcer. You know what I meant. So we get to Trent versus Penta El Cerro Miedo. And let me say, I love Penta's manager. Penta actually got like his own theme song now, which is actually pretty cool. So maybe he really is separating himself from uh, Pac and Ray Phoenix, so that looks like it's gonna happen. And I'm fine with Penta going on his own, especially when he has Alex as his manager. That's pretty cool. And I love Penta's mask, by the way. Like, it was like a Batman type of mask, so that was pretty cool as well. And it was great to see Trent back in the ring for the first time, I believe since it may have been November, the last time we saw Trent in the ring, like November, December. So it's been a while. It has been a while since we've seen him in the ring. You know, and he didn't skip a beat. He didn't skip a beat. You know, they showed the Arcade Anarchy match, you know, with Chris Statlander return, and she made her in-ring return last week, and she did great. And now Trent, with his in-ring return, because he returned to Arcade Anarchy as well. And he put on a good performance. Orange Cassidy was there ringside. You know, I, th- I thought Trent and Penta put on a really good match. There was a spot in the match. I'm pretty sure everybody knows what I'm talking about. The Canadian Destroyer. That Penta did on Trent, that was some spot. The way that they did it, though, was even better. It was really something. And I really enjoyed that. Everybody knows I love a good old Canadian Destroyer. How could you not? How could you not love that kind of spot? You just gotta love it. Like, seriously. But still... I thought the match between Trent and Penta was actually good. I didn't expect it to be that good, though. You know, I feel like with Penta, I know his whole gimmick is to say, you know, is to say, Cerro uh, Miedo, which means zero fear in Spanish. I know he's, you know, he says that a lot. I feel like he shouldn't say it that much. 
Because he says it, like, almost every two minutes. Like, when he's on the attack. He shouldn't say it all the time. You know, I know that's his thing right there, but... When you say it so many times, it ruins, like, you know... The moment, you know? It ruins the catchphrase, I should say. You know what I mean? Like, it's good to do for a little while, but, you know, going along... People are just gonna be like... Yeah, Zero Miedo, okay, can you just wrestle, please? You know what I mean? And that's not a knock on Penta. I just feel like you shouldn't be saying it so many times. It's like, okay... Just say it once in a while during the match. Don't say it every two minutes you're attacking somebody. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah. I thought it was a good match. You know, Trent was taking control of Penta. And then Alex grabs the microphone saying, you know, not only do you suck and your friends suck, but your mother sucks. Like, that's what Penta told Alex to say, you know, before the match. But, you know, Alex said during the match... So that was some shot right there. You know, you don't, you don't ever want to go after Sue. You know, Sue's a badass. I mean, come on, how could you go after her? Like, Jesus Christ. And then we saw Alex, you know, get in the ring. And Orange Cassidy was behind him. Looked like he was going to attack him until Penta super kicked Orange Cassidy. And Trent tried to go after Penta. And Penta got out of the way. And Alex hit Trent with the microphone. And then Penta hits his finisher on Trent. One, two, three. Penta, Sarmiento, gets the W over Trent. Like I said, it was a better match than I expected. The finish could have been better, in my opinion. You know, I thought, okay, it's an old school type of heel thing right there that Alex was doing. So that's that's fair. That's fair right there, I could say. You know, but I, I didn't think the match was going to be that good. I thought it was going to be like a short kind of match where it's going to be like, okay, they'll do a couple spots and that'll be it. But no, they put on a good match. Better than I expected. Much better than I expected, though. I got to be honest there. But now next, we get to one of the moments we've all been waiting for right here. Jim Ross interviewing the Pinnacle. So, we didn't see Tully Blanchard. MJF mentioned that Tully Blanchard was, you know, coming up with, you know, battle plans. He was at home, you know, with plans for blood and guts, obviously, in a couple weeks. MJF and Warlow both spoke, but we didn't hear Sean Spears speak and FTR didn't speak. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, none of them spoke, other than Wardlow and MJF. Those other three guys didn't speak at all. They said nothing. You know, I guess you could say, well, yeah, because Sean Spears got taken out by Tyson and Harwood lost to Jericho last week. And, you know, Wheeler got knocked out by Tyson, obviously, the week before. So that makes sense. They didn't say anything, you know, okay, fine. But MJF, man, he got rid of his old scarf. He got a new scarf, and it's from Tully Blanchard. And it looks spiffy as ever. And just MJF, man, like, water is wet. He cuts a great fucking promo. Like, he, like, me saying that MJF cut another great promo is like saying water's wet. You know, or fire's hot. It's just obvious. We know that MJF, every time he grabs the microphone, he cuts an amazing promo. That's what he does. That's what he does right there. You know, he was saying, like, Chris Jericho hangs out, hangs around B's to make himself look like an A while actually wrestling A's to make him look like a B. And, like, MJF gave him, like, an F. So that was something right there. And, you know, Wardlow, when he was speaking, he cut a pretty decent promo. We haven't heard Wardlow speak as much in AEW. The last time I think we heard him talk was, like, when him and Hager, like, you know, were talking on, on Dynamite back on December 9th, I believe, when Hager and Wardlow were staring at each other. And Hager was like, why is he staring at me? Like, why does he keep staring at me? And Ward's like, you know, staring at you. You've been staring at me ever since I started this company. Blah, 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 blah. But, um... 
he was saying, you know, like when Chris Jericho a couple weeks ago when he did the Immortal promo, you know, and uh, Jericho like he was talking about everybody, and then he talked about Warlow, like he was stumbling his words on Wardlow, and Warlow was like, you know, I know why you were stumbling your words on me, because you know what I'll do to you, basically is what Warlow was trying to say, and that Jericho was intimidated, and he didn't know what to say, so that's fair. And MJF said the famous Jericho rub is a, is a lie created by Jericho and that Jericho involved himself with top-level wrestlers and attempt to take credit for their drawing power, like, you know, like Kenny Omega, Hangman and Page, Cody Rhodes, and now himself. But unlike those guys right there, unlike Kenny Omega, Hangman and Page, and Cody Rhodes, in that order, because, you know, in 2019, a double or nothing, Jericho beat Kenny Omega, you know, for a shot at the AEW World Heavyweight title. And then he beat Hangman and Page and All Out for the AEW World title. He'll be the first ever AEW World Champion. And then he beat Cody Rhodes at his first pay-per-view defense. Because his first title defense was against Darby Allin on October 16, 2019. So his first pay-per-view title defense was against Cody Rhodes at, um, at full gear in 2019. So in that order right there in pay-per-view. But here's the thing. And here's the thing. And he also mentioned Orange Cassidy as well. So, here's the difference between those guys and MJF and Orange Cassidy. Because Orange Cassidy beat Chris Jericho on pay-per-view, and so did MJF. So, that is something right there. MJF has already beaten Chris Jericho. Which is more than Kenny, Hangman, and Cody could say. And like right there, MJF says he's defeated Cody one-on-one in the past. And that blood and guts, the pinnacle, will defeat the inner circle and prove... That they are the top guys. I really can't wait for this fucking match. This match is going to slap. It's going to be amazing. It really is a shame it's not going to be at the Prudential Center in Newark. You know, last year that was supposed to happen, but then, you know, the pandemic hit. It was supposed to be the elite versus the inner circle. You know, but now it's the inner circle versus the pinnacle. So it's like, all right, I'm really hoping the pinnacle wins. But I do believe the inner circle is going to win. That's just that's just my gut feeling, no pun intended. That's just my gut feeling that the inner circle is going to win. Because MJF is, you know, 1-0 obviously against Jericho. Well, basically it's 1-1 one one because Jericho beat Dax Harwood of the Pinnacle last week. So that basically they are 1-1. One one. So we'll see though. I just feel like the inner circle is going to win. I mean, I'd rather the Pinnacle, I'd rather the Pinnacle win. But I do believe the inner circle is going to win. It would help the pinnacle if they win. Because it could create more tension in the inner circle if they lose. And then this time they can actually break up. Because there's been a lot of tension of them breaking up. So this potentially could be the last straw. Like maybe Hager goes on his own. And Santana and Ortiz go on their own. And maybe Guevara and Jericho team up for a little while. And they separate and do that. Maybe like they do a match on pay-per-view. Which I've been waiting for for so long. Between Guevara and Jericho. But we'll see. Amazing promo by MJF. Amazing. Fucking amazing. But now we get to the AEW Women's World title match. Hikaru Shida, the AEW Women's World Champion, versus the number one ranked contender, Ty Conti. And my God, like I mentioned plenty of times, Ty Conti has improved so much inside the ring. She seriously has. She's easily become one of my favorites. You know, when she first came to AEW, you know, I thought, okay, let's see what she's made of. You know, I wasn't really a fan of her at first. I thought, uh, okay, she's okay, to be honest. Like, she's all right. 
you know, and she was with Anna Jay, and I still thought, okay, she's still okay, in my opinion. She needs a lot more work. But these last couple months, she really has improved. She has gotten so much better. So much better. And she deserved, you know, she deserved this title match right here. She definitely deserved it. They actually said, like, you know, on Dynamite a few weeks ago when she wrestled the Bunny, that it was the, um... It got the highest view, viewership of the show. So that was something right there. That's a, that's a big achievement right there. That is huge. That seriously is huge right there. But her and Sheeta, you know, Sheeta's been a champion. She's been the champion for almost a year. You know, once we hit next month, it will be a year. Once we hit, you know, May 23rd, it will be a whole year since she's been champion. And she's had an amazing run. You know, despite what people want to say, you know, her run's been boring, you know. You have to still realize, you know, we're still like, you know, we're still in a pandemic right here. We're not in front of live, you know, we're in front of live crowds now. We're not in front of sellout crowds, you know, and all that type of shit. They try to get creative and do other things, you know what I mean? You know, like they put they put a lot of, you know, challenges in front of Sheeta. Like, you know, like Ty Cox, like Aberdon, like Thunder Rosa, and who else? Like Nyla Rose, you know, and... Mizunami, that was obviously the worst match that I've seen, you know, that Sheeta's had. You know, the match between her and Mizunami just wasn't good at all. I try. I, I think I said it. I think I said it was decent, but in general, no, it wasn't that good. It was lackluster. And it was a waste of time. But you know, and also yeah, Anna J. Anna J. got a title shot back on the twenty fifth of November. So can't forget about her. I thought Anna J. was gonna win actually. But it is what it is. But her, but you know, Sheeta and Conti, they put on a really good match. It started off, it started off kind of slow, and I was like, okay, this match is kind of eh right now. But it picked up towards the end. Once they got back, you know, from the commercial break, it really picked up. It seriously picked up. Ty Conti was getting some stiff shots on Sheeta, and there was a nasty spot right there where Sheeta, like, you know, threw Conti like onto one of the ring buckles, and Ty Conti got knocked outside the ring. And, you know, Conti was hitting her with some stiff shots to the jaw. And I was like, Jesus. These two ladies are beating the hell out of each other. They are beating the hell out of each other. And she got creative, too, with a creative pin on Conti. And pinned her one, two. Actually, no, not creative pin. She hit her with the katana. I meant to say creative move. I meant to say a creative move, the katana. And pinned Conti one, two, three. So, Karo Shida is still the AEW Women's World Champion. Ty Conti put on a great performance. I know I saw a lot of people were upset about Conti losing. Well, obviously, we know the next AEW Women's World Champion is going to be none other than Britt Baker. We'll get to her in just a second. Would you really want Conti to win and then become a transitional champion? Would you really want that? I don't think people would want that. You want, you want, you want Conti to have a long run as champion. You don't want to be like for like a month, okay, now Britt Baker wins. No. Sheeta versus Baker is the match. And Britt Baker did come out after the match, and they had the whole ranking thing on the, the Tron. And Britt Baker's now the number one ranked contender for Karo Sheeta's AEW Women's World title. So here we go. Hopefully at double or nothing, that'll be the match. For the AEW Women's World title, Sheeta and Baker. Finally. Finally. Like, please. Like, here we fucking go. They should have done this at Revolution. Baker should already be champion. She should already be champion. But now it looks like they're going to do it. 
it looks like they're going to do it now. Oh, man, I'm ready for it. I am seriously ready for it. I can't wait. I seriously can't wait. I can't wait for this match. Because Britt Baker deserves it. She deserves the AEW, the AEW Women's World Title. She absolutely fucking deserves it. I just hope that she wins when they do the match. Because you never know. People could say, oh, yeah, she's going to win. Well, let's let's wait and see what happens, though. We'll see what happens. But next now we get to the inner circle. Tony Schiavone interviewed them in the ring. And Jericho, man, another great promo. And I got to say, an underrated part like of this promo was definitely Santana. Because he cut a really good promo. You know, he was saying, like, FTR, like, you know, ever since they come to AEW, they've been taking shots at them and shots at, like, other people as well. And they only got, you know, tough when they have people behind them. And Santana says, you know, where he comes from, that's bitch moves. And I was like, damn, like, okay. Like, Santana was really, like, on leash right there in that promo. Like, that was pretty good. I feel like Santana's an underrated talker in AEW. Like, him and Ortiz got to become tag team champions. Hopefully by the end of the year or early next year, because they got to win. They need those fucking tag team titles. They need them. Like, they seriously need them. And I'm hoping that it happens. I really, yeah, I really hope it does. But Jericho cut a really good promo on the pinnacle. You know, talk about how they're going to teach them a lesson in violence at Blood and Guts. You know, and just Jericho's really going off. And, like, even Hager, you know, had, he had, like, he brought out straws of them saying that the Pinnacle's going to need to eat through a straw for the for the next month after they're done with them. So that was pretty violent right there and pretty good. Guevara, you know, only... Guevara, I think, like, only said one thing. You know, like, how do you say, like, straw in Spanish? And he said Ortiz didn't say anything at all. He kept very quiet. In my opinion, and I might be wrong... I might be wrong. Because Ortiz... I'm not trying to read into it too much. He didn't say anything at all. Maybe Ortiz betrays the inner circle. I know that sounds a little bit weird. Like, it wouldn't really make any sense. But he didn't say anything. And he just had, like, you know, a look on his face the whole time. He wasn't really, like, hyped up. You could say, oh, but he's being serious. Oh, okay, fine. But he could have said something. He didn't even say one word. Didn't say anything. So it gives me the vibes that he might turn on the inner circle. It might happen. It just might. I'm not saying it will. But by the looks of it, it could definitely happen. It could definitely happen. But we'll see, though. We'll have to wait and see. You know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But we'll see. We'll definitely see what happens. But Jericho said the inner circle, you know, the two factions, the inner circle... And the Pinnacle will have a parlay where they will go over the rules of the Blood and Guts match. So next week, can't come any sooner. That's going to be, and hopefully that ends the show. Usually like AEW hasn't done like a talking segment to end, you know, their program. But hopefully next week they do. Hopefully they do. And they absolutely should. They absolutely should do that. Because that is going to be something. That is going to be a fire. That is going to be a fire segment right there. That is going to be something. It definitely is. I can't wait for it. Whew. But then we also Miro. He was backstage. He caught another great promo. Like Miro now officially like by himself. 
So he's done with Sabian. He's done with Penelope Ford. So thank God, you know. They had an okay run together, but Miro needs to be on his own. You just heard him more unleashed. Again, say, if you have a title, I'm coming for you. Like, they did show, like, Kenny. But I can't see Miro going after Kenny. I just can't see that happen. I think Miro is going to go after Darby Allen pretty soon. Like, which champion am I going to choose? Basically saying. He's going to go after Darby. And I'm all for it. I want Miro to win. You know, I love Darby to death. But if they do Miro versus Darby at double or nothing, give Miro that title. Just give him that title. You know, Miro versus Kenny doesn't make sense yet. Unless, like, if Miro turns in, like, to a babyface or if Kenny turns into a babyface in the future and he's champion again or whatever, then that makes sense. But no, you're not going to do heel versus heel. You're not going to turn Miro face. I can't see that happening just yet. I think he's going to stay a heel. But we'll definitely wait and see. But then also now we get to this matchup between QT Marshall and Billy Gunn. And I was saying to myself, this match should have been like on AEW Dark. Did it really need to go on Dynamite? Like they could have done maybe like QT Marshall versus one of the Gunn brothers. Like Colton or Austin. Or it could have done like QT and Lee Johnson. You know, they could have done that. But this match, I got to admit though, like Billy Gunn did attack QT Marshall like before the match even started. Like he got started like right away. This match itself, it was, it was okay. It was, I actually got to admit, it was better than expected. I'm not going to say it was good, because I'd be lying if I said that. But it was a decent match, to be honest. It really, like, you know, picked up right there. I got to admit, it was much better than I expected. Like, I knew Trent versus Pento was going to be a good match, but I didn't expect it to be, I didn't expect it to be that good. I expected this match between Billy Gunn and QT Marshall to be bad. But Billy Gunn, I believe, and I believe he's like 57 years old. He moved like a young man this match. The only reason why I didn't think it was going to be good because Billy Gunn wrestled, you know, MJF back in June of last year, and that match was god awful. Like seriously, that was one of the, that was like the worst MJF match I've ever seen. It really didn't make any sense. But oh god, I don't even want to remember that match. I would never go back and watch that. Like you know, this I usually don't criticize AEW, but that that's a match that shouldn't have been on TV. Like seriously. Especially live TV. I mean, come on. But um, no, I got to admit though, Billy Gunn and QT Marshall put on a decent match. They put on a decent match. I got to admit that you know QT Marshall looks a lot like Tony Soprano with that bowling shirt that he has on. So that's kind of interesting. You know, we did see Nick Camarado and Aaron Solo at ringside. And when referee wasn't looking, Billy Gunn got attacked by Camarado and Solo. And then the Gunn brothers attacked Camarado and Solo. And then, you know, Billy Gunn was taking, you know, a lot of control in this match. But then here came Anthony Agogo. He comes out. Referee's not looking. Hits Billy Gunn with a beautiful gut shot. Completely knocks the win out of him. And then QT Marshall hits the cut on Billy Gunn. One, two, three. QT Marshall gets a W for the factory. And then after the match, Agogo grabs a chair for QT Marshall, you know, to hit Billy Gunn with. But here comes the returning Dustin Rhodes. He comes out with the bull rope, starts beating up QT with it, takes him out, and then grabs a chair and then come around from behind, and then tries to attack Dustin. He misses, and then Dustin whacks him with a chair. The chair breaks. Camarado doesn't even flinch. Didn't even flinch. It didn't even hurt him. This guy, Camarado, he might be, he might be this generation's bruiser Brody. I know it's very early to say that, but he looks like him. And that didn't even phase him at all. This guy's big. He's nasty. 
It might be a little too early to say that. He could be the next Bruiser Bro. It's a little too early, but he looks just like him. Like, does Bruiser Bro have a, like a legitimate son we don't know about right here? Because this guy looks a whole lot like him. Like, whoa. Like, Jesus. That is something, though. It really is. But I am hyped to see Dustin return, so that's pretty cool. Gotta admit that, you know. You know, Dustin moved pretty good, too. He was attacking QT, so that was also good. And then next now, we saw the Elite. You know, they were in their trail. The AEW World Champion, Kenny Omega. The AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick. Matt and Nick Jackson. Don Callis and the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. And Don Callis was cutting a promo, you know. They're with the Good Brothers and happy that, you know, the Young Bucks are there. You know, and Matt, you know, saying... Basically saying that this is our company. Like, you know, we created, you know, this is the same faction... The, you know, helped out in Japan and all the merchandise here in America and creating AEW. And Nick was like, it's not all Mox wrestling or all Kingston wrestling, basically. And then Kenny was going to get serious for a second. You know, we know he's getting ready to face Rich Swan at the Impact Wrestling pay-per-view this Sunday for the Impact Wrestling World title. If Here's the thing. If Rich Swan wins, he gets the AEW World title. But if Kenny wins, he gets the Impact Wrestling World title. So it's like title for title right here. We know Kenny's going to win. He's not going to lose. That's not going to happen. They're not going to give the title to Swan. That makes no sense. Why would they do that for? But then Kenny was cutting, He was about to start cutting a promo. And then when you start hearing, you know, car honking outside, I'm like, okay, maybe it's a whole botch that's happening. Maybe there's actually somebody honking a horn. Like, what the fuck? And... He keeps on honking and he keeps on honking and he keeps on honking. And then, lo and behold, in the truck, in the truck, you see John Moxley and Eddie Kingston return. And they're in the truck and they bash right into the trailer, right into it. And the elite were gone. They must have got out right before they even happened. Because they had, they had some time to get out. They had like a couple seconds. They got out pretty fast. And, you know, Mox and Kingston were trashing the trailer. And Kingston was looking for sneakers to steal. I'm sure he was trying to steal those fake Dior, you know, sneakers that the Young Bucks were wearing last week in their match. <laughs> but that was something, though. We know that Mox and Kingston, we know they want the Young Bucks. We know we're going to get them versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team titles pretty soon. I hope, I pray that Mox and Kingston win the Tag Team titles. They will be money as Tag Team Champions. Absolutely. And then they drive off. They go away. But now we get to the next match right here. Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Christian Cage. And I gotta admit, though, gotta admit, though, this is a huge test for Christian Cage. You know, you're facing a much, you know, larger opponent in Powerhouse Hobbs. It's a big test. You know that he's very young. He's very new to this Powerhouse Hobbs, you know, being on, you know, being on a big network on TNT, obviously. Even though he's only been doing it for a few months, it's a big test because he knows he's facing a future Hall of Famer in Christian Cage. And we know that Powerhouse Hobbs is still, he's still green. You know, he's, 
he's you know I'm not gonna say that he is good, but he's okay. He's gonna be a great big man. He's gonna be an amazing big man. You know he still needs a lot more work done inside the ring. I think a lot of people would agree. But it was a huge test, and Powerhouse Hobbs did great in this match. He he improved in this match. I gotta admit that though. Gotta admit that though, it was a huge test for Christian Cage too. You know, you go from Kazarian to Powerhouse Hobbs. It's two different, it's two different guys. It's two different opponents. It's a huge, huge test. And they both lived up to it. They both lived up to it. And, you know, we did have Taz on commentary. The rest of Team Taz wasn't there. They got banned from ringside from what, you know, happened after the Hangman and Page and a Ricky Starks match. That made sense. I'm like, all right, it makes sense right there. And, you know, Powerhouse Hobbs, he was mocking, you know, Christian's, like, you know, captain thing. So that was actually kind of cool. And it cost Powerhouse Hobbs in the end. Because even this match, it picked up towards the end. And right there, Powers Hobbs was going for his finisher. And then he did the whole captain thing, mocking Christian Cage. And then Christian Cage gets out of it and nails him with a quick kill switch. And then one, two, three, Christian Cage gets a W. And I saw a lot of people saying, oh, Team Taz is buried. Oh, my God. But, you know, you act like no rookie in wrestling has ever lost to a veteran. We know that Stark's been doing this for a while. You know, he's been on NWA. He's been on WWE television back in 2013. You know, Hobbs is really just getting known by a lot more people. Every rookie has lost. So what are you going to say? Like, when, when Bruiser Brody beat The Undertaker, was known as Texas Red back in, like, what was it, like, 1990, I believe, or 1989? So it was Undertaker before he was, before he, or maybe 1988, before The Undertaker was The Undertaker, was Texas Red. And he lost to Bruiser Brody. So we're going to say, oh, he, he's buried. Like, no, the veterans, they got to get their wins right there. It makes the rookies better. And look where Undertaker became. From Texas Red to Mean Mark Calloway to The Undertaker. I'm just saying. It happens. John Cena, when he started off, he was losing to veterans. You know, he lost to Kurt Angle. He did beat Chris Jericho, which was huge, at Vengeance 2002. But, you know, he lost to Eddie. You know, I believe he lost to Benoit. Well, Lesnar wasn't a veteran for the titles. You know, when they wrestled for the title at Backlash 03, Lesnar wasn't a veteran. But still, you know what I mean. He lost to veterans coming up. It happens. Happened with Triple H, too. He lost to Ultimate Warrior and, and his first ever WrestleMania. You know, it happens. Same, with the, same thing with Sheamus losing to Triple H. At his first WrestleMania. It happens right there. But look what all those stars have become. Like I just mentioned. Look at Taker would became. Look what Cena became. Look what Triple H became. Look what Sheamus became. Powerhouse Hobbs is going to be just fine. He's going to be a huge star in AEW. They're not going to screw him up. They're not like the other company where it's like, oh, we're going to make a big man act like a goof on TV and start dancing and prancing around. That's not going to happen with him. It's not going to. They're going to take this very seriously with Powerhouse Hobbs. He is going to be a huge fucking star in AEW. Huge star. We already know that for a fact. We already know that for a fact. (sighs) 
uh, but people always criticize things here and there. You know, it is what it is. But now we look to next week. So now Penta and Zero Miedo will be wrestling again. will be wrestling Orange Cassie this time. So that'll be interesting. We got Chris Statlander wrestling Penelope Ford. A rematch from Double or Nothing from last year. We got the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks versus the Seidel Brothers, Matt and Mike. And it's an Eliminator match. So if the Seidels win, they'll get a tag team title shot against the Young Bucks. So I'm like, all right, cool. We got the Nightmare Family, Dustin Rhodes, Lee Johnson, Billy Gunn versus QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Camarado in a trios match. And we got the Inner Circle Parlay, Inner Circle Pinnacle Parlay. And we got Brian Cage versus Hangman Adam Page. That match will definitely be the best match of the night. So that's next week. So now we get to the main event for the TNT Championship. My guy Darby Allen, TNT champion, versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Very good main event by these guys. And thank God Marco Stun wasn't at ringside. Luchasaurus was there for Jungle Boy. And obviously Sting was there for Darby Allen. And Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, you know, Jungle Boy was 23 years old. He is 23 years old. And Darby, I believe, is. Within 25, 27 range right there. 25, 26, 27, however old. But you got two young stars right here. I still kind of find, I still kind of find it funny how people say AEW doesn't you know, build their young talent. Well, they're building up Jungle Boy. They've built up Darby Allen. They're building up guys like Camarado and Agogo and Solo. And Lee Johnson. And the Gun Brothers. Who else am I missing there? I'm probably missing somebody else. Hangman and Page. And Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. They're building up these young guys. They have a lot of young talent in this company. And eventually Arn Anderson's son is going to start wrestling. We don't know when. Maybe he'll show up in the Nightmare Family pretty soon. We know that um, Hook, Taz's son, is going to be wrestling soon. That's another young talent. They have a lot of young talent in this company. A lot of young male talent. A lot of young female talent like Anna Jay and Tay Conti. And Jay Cargo, who is money. She cut... A really good promo, like saying she doesn't need a manager, but if someone offers her like a high price as a manager, you know, to manage her, she'll take it. But I believe Jay Cargo doesn't need a manager. She really doesn't. She's great on her own right now. But now at the main event with Darby Allen Sting for the TNT title, I thought they put on a great match. Back-to-back weeks, Darby Allen getting in the main event for the TNT title. You know, and uh, he was in the main event a few weeks ago when him and John Silver. That's another young talent there. John Silver right there getting in the main event a few weeks ago. So that was huge as well. You can't say they don't use the young talent. You just can't say that. Like, they use these guys. They're not all about using their veterans and bringing in older talent. You know, they use the young talent as well. You know what I mean? They do. It's a stacked roster. It's hard to get guys on TV all the time. That's why they have Elevation and Dark. You got two other shows right there where you could see those that type of talent on TV. Or not on TV, like on YouTube right there. So you get to see them. You get to see them, though. I mean, come on. I don't know what you, I don't know what you guys are complaining about. Like, Jesus. But I thought they put on a great match, Darby and, um, and Jungle Boy. I thought they put on a good match. You know, and... um. 
we did see Luchasaurus get involved later on in the match trying to help trying to help Jungle Boy get up and get him back in the ring that's exactly what he did and then he went up to the ramp and then Sting got in his face you know basically saying like you know come on and all that and Luchasaurus basically just like you know he just like tapped him and Sting got pissed and they started going at each other and they fought backstage and there was basically now just one on one between Dobby and Jungle Boy and they put on a good performance towards the end it was pretty close. Like, Jungle Boy was putting him in that um, that submission hole right there that nobody was able to escape. But Darby Allen got dirty right there in the end. He got dirty. You know, he raked his eyes. So that was, you know, okay, you could say he had to basically cheat, but that's what you have to do when you get desperate right there in the match. Especially later on in the match, you got to get desperate. Because it looked like Darby was going to tap. I thought Jungle Boy legit was going to win. And this is the second time Jungle Boy has been the main event for the TNT Tugs. He wrestled Cody... For the TNT title in the main event on June... No, was it June 2nd? It was... June 2nd, I believe, they wrestled the main event for the TNT title. I believe... Yeah, June 2nd it was. Yep, June 2nd. And that was a fucking great match. But it was a great match right here. And Darby Allen, he got creative. He got creative with the pin towards the end. Didn't go for the coffin drop at the end. He did go for the coffin drop early on. That's what knocked Jungle Boy out. And, you know, Luchasaurus helped him get back in the ring. But Darby went for a creative pin, one, two, three, and Jungle Boy was shocked because Darby Allen retains the TNT title. I was pretty shocked too. I really thought they were gonna pull the trigger and get the title of Jungle Boy. I really thought they were gonna do it. I really thought they were gonna do it, but no. I was really shocked though. I was really shocked. You know, was I kind of disappointed? I mean, yeah, part of me, you know, I love Darby Allen, but part of me, you know, wanted Jungle Boy to win. Part of me wanted him to win, but it's all good. We know that he's going to be a future world champion. He's 23. He's very young. He's got a whole career. He's got, like, he can have a 30-year career. He can be done when he's 53. He's got a whole career ahead of him. You know... He's got a whole career. So I'm not going to say... I, I, I was a little bit disappointed, but I'm not going to say I was fully disappointed. But it is what it is. Well, they have to match. So Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky attack Jungle Boy and Darby Allen. They beat the shit out of Darby Allen. Until Sting came back. Until Lance Archer came back out. And then Sting came back out. Lance Archer took care of Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. And, you know, and they ran off. And Archer and Sting... It does seem like Archer and Sting might have an alliance. You know, maybe they're going to build a faction between Archer, Sting, and Darby? Like, that seems kind of weird, but I'm all for it. I think they're going to... I think we are going to get Archer and Sting, but it's not going to happen right now. I think they're going to build into it. I think they're going to build into it, you know, because... They did say, or Jim Ross said, like, in July, AEW is going back on the road. That's what Jim Ross said. So maybe they're saving Archer and Sting for a full crowd. Like, maybe they'll go to Texas for a while, because Texas, you know, we're allowed to have full crowds in Texas. And that's where Lance Archer's from. That's where Sting's from as well. They're both from Texas. So wouldn't that be something right there? Sting and Archer at All Out in Texas? That would be something. That would be something. Especially if it would be a full crowd. Maybe that's what they're saving it for. You have to think about that. But it was a great end to Dynamite. You know, next week's card... 
looks decent to be honest. You know, we, we know we're getting ready for Blood and Guts pretty soon. Can't wait for it. We hit a million again. Thank God for that. You know, you gotta love it. It's just, it's a great accomplishment. For a young company like AEW on their own, a lot of people down them saying they weren't gonna hit a million when they're by themselves. Well, they've proved a lot of people wrong so far. Hopefully they make it three in a row next week. But alright guys, hope you guys enjoy this episode right here. I definitely want to do another episode before I do my next AEW Dynamite review. So I might talk about the Yankees because the Yankees have really been struggling to start the season. So I might talk about them pretty soon. Like, I might wait to see how they do against the Cleveland Indians. They start a four-game series with them tonight. They start actually in a little while, like in an hour, they're playing the first game of the four-game series. So maybe I will talk about them, like, after the series. You know, even if they do somehow sweep them, which I don't know if they will. I don't think that they will, but we'll see what happens. But other than that, I will talk to you guys pretty soon. Hope you guys have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. Thank you very much. We're very close to 4,000 plays. Grateful for every single one of you. And I'll talk to you guys pretty soon. Good night, guys.